Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we're going to look at the gospel lesson for the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, and it's a parable, and it's pretty short, and there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in this. First of all, I would like to simply just read the parable to you. It comes to us from St. Luke, and it's chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. So Jesus tells the parable in effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He says, Jesus says, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in the city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continually coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his, to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes... Will he find faith on earth? So, this is interesting on a couple of levels. I always find it hard when Jesus uses earthly, unrighteous, not good people for the example of how we should see God, how we should act. You hear of the unjust steward, the shrewd steward, all these guys who don't do necessarily good things. And Jesus uses them to make a point. And here we have a unrighteous judge who's going to make a judgment call in favor of this widow who keeps bothering her him. Now, the judge is making this decision because he's getting tired of this woman continually coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. And dear listener, if you could just think or, or pop into my, my mind's eye, I see this nice little old lady who everybody knows, and she is everywhere that the judge wants to be. The judge goes to get coffee, and there she is. And what does she say? Give me justice against my adversary. He goes to the grocery store, and there she is with her shopping cart, and she sees the judge. Give me justice against my adversary. No matter where the judge goes in his life, there is this widow reminding him of his job to give and to make a judgment call in her favor. Now, again, they didn't have grocery stores and so on and so forth and the silliness of that. But the fact remains, 
that no matter where he is, no matter what he's doing, she is constantly there. Let it be just in his thoughts. She is living in his brain rent-free because she has bothered him so much that now, in order to just have peace, just to get rid of her, he's going to do what she's asking. He's going to give her justice against her adversary, whatever that may be. Now, again, this is purely selfish reasons. He's doing this because he's getting tired of seeing her, getting tired of dealing with her. And you and I both know that we have done things just to appease the other person, to get them out of our lives so we don't have to deal with them, whatever that may be. And the issue with this is God says through Christ, in Christ, that you have a good and just, gracious God who listens to the cry of the elect. He listens to the cry of his people. Think how he's going to react. Think how fast he's going to interact with his people, how he's going to insert himself, how he is going to bring true justice. And this, frankly, just scares me. The whole idea that in Jesus, we hear the promise that God is going to enact justice, that he is going to work and do what he promises, the full fulfillment of all that he gave to us in the promises of our baptism, in the promises of holy absolution, the fullness of the righteousness that has been given to us as we participate in the life of Christ, as he comes to us through the Holy Spirit. These are huge gifts, huge implications. And it's so easy to take this lightly, or even worse, to make God into a judge that only does what we want to do. I heard it said that I, I it's funny how it seems like God hates all the things that I hate and likes all the things I like. Well, we know that's not true. And we need to be careful not to imply that into this text. God is not the righteous judge who judges on your behalf because your will is like God's will. We need to understand that when God makes the statement that will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Why would we, the elect, the baptized, the ones who are participating through faith in Christ's life, be crying out to God? Don't we have forgiveness? Don't we have eternal life? Don't we have the promises of heaven? What do we have to cry about? Oh, wait, we still live in a corrupt world. We still struggle with sin. We still battle against temptation. We still fall from the glory, short of the glory of God. We still live in this world. We don't have the full fulfillment of our baptism, the full fulfillment of the resurrection, the bodily resurrection. We don't have forever yet. And so we do cry out to God, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Relieve me from the pains of my enemy. Who is this enemy? It could very well be 
people in your lives. It could very well be Satan himself. It could be your flesh, which creates the craving wants and desires of the earthly things, and you struggle to battle against your flesh, to discipline, to say no to the sinful fleshly delights of whatever they may be food, sex, materials, whatever, we struggle with all these things. And we fall to our knees and cry out for God's relief, for God's strength, for God's peace, for God to enact his justice. That means sending forth the right judgment against our enemies the right enemy, sin, death, and hell, to then relieve us, then to make us full and right in God, in the flesh. And the great and wondrous thing is, we really do already have this. We have this now and not yet. And so, as I said earlier, we struggle. We live in this life of tension. We're crying out to God, and we who are bound in time, and you know this to be true, when you are suffering with a problem, let it be health, let it be money, let it be the stresses of work, the stresses of family, the stresses of just life, doesn't it seem like time just drags on and everything is touching this problem and you cannot free yourself no matter what you're doing and it just seems like everything is surrounded in and stuck because of this problem and you have to just bear it until you are able to get out of it, to get to the other side and it seems like it takes forever. Well, not that life takes forever. But the whole idea is we get so caught up in this one problem, these several problems, these situations, whatever it may be, that all our focus is on this, this one thing, this one situation and problem. And we need help. We need freedom. We need restoration. We need the fullness of what God, only God can do. Help us recognize that, yes, this may hurt. Yes, this may be painful. Yes, this is a trial, tribulation, pain, hurt, harm, all these horrific things that happen in our lives, but that they will pass, and He will see us through them. And that's really important because we hear that God will see us through whatever we go through, and that includes death. God will see us through it. He will be with us. And it's real important to remember this because nowhere in Scripture do we hear, oh, God will come in at the last second and solve all the problems, and everybody will do that slow clap, or everybody will start cheering, and everything will just suddenly work out. The sun will shine a little bit brighter. The flowers will smell a little bit better. Nowhere. In Scripture, do we hear this? In fact, we hear Jesus promising what happens when we follow him, promises what happens when we become a Christian, a disciple. 
he simply says, for my name's sake, you will suffer. And this doesn't mean that God is looking up there and saying, oop, I got another Christian to torture. <laughs> this will be great. No, because we know life in Christ, because we know peace in Christ, because we know grace in Christ, because we know his love, and we can't find the fullness of what he gives in this world and in the weakness of our body, our flesh, our mind, our reasoning, our will, we will struggle because we know the truth. And we will wrestle, not just with the truth, but with all the other things that have fallen into our life. The gifts that God has given to us, family, food, money, wealth, prestige, all these great things that are truly gifts. Look how quickly we misuse them. Look how quickly we take them for granted. And so we do have a lot to cry out for, searching and asking for God's help, for God's relief. And right there in this text, we hear that he will not delay long over them. He will bring justice speedily. Where is this justice? And why isn't it not here? Why are we not ruling over the enemies? Why are we not having these great and wondrous lives where we know true peace? Why does it seem like it's taking forever for justice to come? And again, just immediately thinking, you know, all the, the enemies, the people that, that we don't like, why are they not getting what they what they deserve, what we think they deserve. We need to understand that the justice that God is speaking of has already been dealt. It took place on the cross. Jesus received what we deserved. And at the end of the day, we need to remember that is what justice is, getting what is deserved. And we need to be really careful when we're calling out injustice or justice. Because if we look to God and say we are not being treated justly, we have to remember how much sin have we been forgiven by God? How far has he removed our sin? Well, he tells us, as far as the east is from the west, we have not been given what we deserve. Forgiveness, love, the promise of forever. This is all out of his mercy. This is all out of his grace. And so we get to see that God has acted, and he's acted speedily by giving us Christ, by giving us forgiveness, by giving us his life in Jesus, so that we get to truly stand on him, the rock of our salvation, to face any trial, any tribulation, any temptation, and know that no matter what happens, we will not be overcome because we are in Christ.
And so we have this promise, and this is what we hold on to. And this isn't just like a hope. Oh, I hope it works out. I'll cross my fingers and I'll close my eyes really tight so I see those sparkly things. No, this is the sure and certain hope. It is a sure thing because God said so. Now, however, we have this amazing question that Jesus uses to close the parable. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And I don't know about you, but that, that, that is truly a gut punch because I immediately want to challenge Jesus. I'm faithful. When you come, I'll be ready. I'll be right there. I'll be one of the first people all excited to welcome you. I'll be looking for you. I use every day. And then right there, I realize how far I have fallen from doing what God has told me to do. Be prepared. Be ready. Jesus is coming. Now, dear listener, How often do you wake up in the morning and think, today is the day. Jesus is coming back. And not out of fear you live a fearful life, but you live a faithful and loving and fearful life of God because that's who and what you are in the preparation, in the excitement of his advent, of his second coming. I know that I fail at this daily. I live life like there's a tomorrow, there's a next month, there's a next year, there's another 50 years, whatever. I mean, after all, Jesus hasn't shown up in some 2,000 years. Can I really expect him to show up now, tomorrow, or anytime incredibly soon? Well, the answer is yes, and you should live like that. That's another parable that he tells of the ten virgins, the five that are prepared and the five that are not prepared, and the five enter into the wedding feast of forever, and the other five are left out where there is crying and weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so that question, will he find faith on earth? And we pray in the midst of the Lord's Prayer, in the midst of our daily devotions, in the midst of the prayers of the church, Lord God, find us in the faith that you have created. Strengthen us to cling to this work. When we cry out, let us cry out in faith, knowing that you will see us through the hurts, the pains, the temptations, all the obstacles, all the things of this world. It is in you that we find this hope. It is you that we find this strength. It is you that we find in faith. Dear listener, I hope that these simple words, this little podcast, does not only encourage you, but truly prepare you. This text is the reason why I, in fact, do this podcast, so that not only will you hear God's Word, but you will hear it with a deeper understanding. You will hear it with passion. You'll hear it with want and longing for not for not just more, but for the fullness of all that God delivers. 
This is truly about preparing you to meet your maker. And this is not just in death, but this is every divine service. This is every time scripture is opened and we pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal to us God's word. When we ask for God to act, for God to intervene in our lives, this is us standing before the righteous judge who invites us to not just pray, but come before him in confidence, like a dear child goes to their father for help, for comfort, for the gift of love. And this is exactly what Christ lays before you in this parable. We don't have to bother God. We don't have to nag God. God knows what we need, and he invites us to not just talk to him, but to commune with him, to be with him, in him, and we have this gift. Let us use it. Let us hold on to this so that when Christ returns, we are the ones found in faith to hear, to receive, and most of all, to have the great gift of the blessing of forever and ever in the new heaven and the new earth with him and all our brothers and sisters of the faith. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.